Okay, if you would take your Bible this evening, turn to the book of Jude. Book of Jude. Excuse me. I'm going to read the first three verses. It says, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. I'm going to read verse 4 also. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Ungodly men turned the grace of our God into lasciviousness in denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Tonight I want to preach just simply about the common faith. The common faith. You know, Jude said I was going to write about the common faith. But, of course, he wrote about the apostasy. But tonight I want to look at that common faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity and privilege we have to open your precious word. We thank you for the, the, the common faith, the same faith that runs throughout the scriptures. And I pray that you help us to understand that it is we are espousing and believing and trusting in the same faith, system of belief that was taught by the Old Testament saints and by the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ and John the Baptist, has not changed. And so help us to adhere to the traditions, as it were, the teachings that have been passed down to us that was once delivered unto the saints. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Common, of course, a simple definition is belonging to several uh, or having the same. You know, Acts 22 to 44, the Bible says, And all that believed were together and had all things common. You know, they were, they were helping each other financially because of the, the uh, persecution that came upon the Jews in Jerusalem. Uh, mostly because of them receiving the gospel. You know, many of the, the, those early disciples were disinherited, uh, maybe lost jobs, homes, whatever it needs, and those who had brought it in, and the disciples dispersed it to those that had need. And so um, they, they took care of each other. Uh, it, it wasn't a welfare program, by the way. It was just they took care of each other's needs when the need arose, and, and it wasn't something that they continued doing, you know, sharing in a commune, living in a commune, and everybody having everything the same all the time. They didn't continue to do that. Uh, and they didn't do that anyway. It wasn't how it was done. But anyway, uh, they had all things common, or in other words, belonging to several, Acts 4.32 says, The multitude of them believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, but had all things common. Paul wrote to Titus, this young preacher in the faith, and said uh, in Titus 1.4, To Titus, my own son, after the common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ our Savior. So it is, a, you know, when... when Jude here talks about the common salvation. He's talking about 
And, you know, and he says it was that which was once delivered unto the saints. Or well, is it this salvation or this, this belief system, if you will, is the same today, Jude says, in the time of his writing, as it was for thousands of years, even in the Old Testament. Um, and, and, and there's several reasons for that. First of all, it has a, it has a common source. Uh, verse 1 says, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ, and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God, the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ, and called. We are sanctified by God. That word sanctified means set apart, or made, made righteous, made holy by God. We all serve the same God. It is the same God that, that sanctifies uh, you and I, that sanctified uh, John the Baptist and, and uh, Peter and James and John and, and Paul and, and, and so on and so forth. It is the same God. Uh, you know, it's the same God that saves us. John 3.16, for God, that singular, uh, so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Uh, Romans 5.8, God commended his love toward us. And so, and so it, is, it comes from a, a common source. There's only one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. We don't get saved different ways. There might be certain different circumstances in our salvation, but we all get saved the same way because it is the same God. Contrary to what modern philosophy is today, that you know, many gods or different gods can read you to heaven, this is just not true. There's only one God. There's only one source of salvation, and that is our God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and so, uh, it, it comes from a common source. And of course, this salvation is through a common person, or that is the, the same person, that is Jesus Christ. Uh, again, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ, the brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ, and call. So, you know, this, this salvation is through... You know, it's, it, it, you know, to turn to another salvation is to deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. And so it is a you know, common person. Again, all of Scripture uh, repeats this common theme or common uh, truth that salvation is in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the complete personage of Christ. If you, if you separate out Jesus from Christ or Lord, you don't have the same person. You see, Paul believed in a Jesus according to the flesh. He tells us that in 1 Corinthians. You know, he knew Jesus according to the flesh, but he said, I know him no more. And what he means by that is, I know him like that no more. Now I know him as the Lord Jesus Christ. He's on the road to Damascus, and when, when the Lord met him on the road to Damascus, he was smitten, and he says, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. What did Philip say to the eunuch? If thou believest all in the heart, he said, I believe that Jesus is the Christ. In other words, the anointed or the chosen of God to bring salvation. That means... The word Christ really means Emmanuel, God with us. So, so what Philip or what the eunuch was saying is, I believe that Jesus is God. 
and the Bible says, and then he baptized him. You see, if you divide up, you know, I'm told, and I, I, don't, I don't waste my time listening to Joel Osteen, but I'm told that Joel Osteen doesn't use his full name. He just talks about Jesus. Now, see, we need to have a proper understanding. You know, to, to, for a person to have salvation, it requires a proper understanding of who the Lord Jesus Christ is. Of course, Jesus, the name Jesus, speaks as of humanity. John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Verse 14 says, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So this God in the begin- who was in the beginning was made flesh. Galatians 4.4, 4, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth a son made of a woman made under the law. So God became flesh. And we know that person in the flesh, that the, the human, human name of him is Jesus. Is Jesus. Philippians 2, uh, 7 and 8 says, but he made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. You know, I like what 1 Timothy 2.5, I often use this when witnessing to Catholics. It says, for there is one God and one mediator between God and man. The man, Christ, so when you say Christ, you're, you're recognizing him as the anointed or the chosen or Emmanuel, God with us, the, the man, Christ Jesus. And of course, 1 Timothy 3.16 says, Great was the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. So Jesus was a human being. He still is. That same Jesus shall so come in like manner as you've seen him go. He still has that... You know, those, the, the marks of sin in his body. He still has a body, although it's a glorified body. Uh, it, you know, 1 Timothy 5 says there's one meter between God and man, the man. Still refers to him as the man, Christ Jesus. So he still is a man, but he's also God. We see him also as the Christ, or the Messiah, the Son of God, or, which means God with us, or Emmanuel. In Acts 2, 29 and 30, Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulchre is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath unto him, that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. And Peter goes on in that passage in Acts chapter 2, and declares to those who, whom he says you have crucified, who had crucified uh, Christ in verse 36 of that passage says therefore that all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified both Lord and Christ so he is the Lord he is the, he is the, he is the Christ the anointed of God in Psalm 89 Psalm 89 verses 19 through 29 <clears throat> Psalm 89 In verse 19, it says, Then thou spakest in a vision to thy holy one, and sayest, I have laid help upon one that is mighty. I have exalted one chosen out of the people. I have found David my servant, with my holy oil have I anointed him. 
with whom my hand shall be established, mine arm also shall strengthen him. The enemy shall not exact upon him, nor the son of wickedness afflict him. And I will beat down his foes before his face, and plague them that hate him. But my faithfulness and my mercy shall be with him, and in my name shall his horn be exalted. I will set his right hand also in the sea, and his right hand in the rivers. He shall cry unto me, Thou art my Father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. Also I will make him my firstborn. Now this isn't talking about David anymore. If you notice, it's not talking about David anymore. He says when he's talking about the chosen, the, the, the exalted one, chosen out of the people, it's a, it's a further revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is, the, is sometimes we often refer to as the greater David, who's going to rule on the throne of David. And if you notice here, he says, I will make him my firstborn. Firstborn speaks of authority, a place of power and position. Higher than the kings of the earth. My mercy will I keep for him forever. My covenant shall stand fast with him. His seed also will I make to endure forever in his throne as the days of heaven. David's throne wasn't as the days of heaven. You see, this is the Messiah, the Son of God. In Mark chapter 8, verse 29, He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Peter answered, saying, Thou art the Christ. And of course, in Matthew twenty-seven, twenty-two, Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do when it is Jesus, which is called Christ? And of course, they all say unto him, Let him be crucified. And then some people have the audacity to say that the Jews didn't know that Jesus was the Messiah and that Jesus never claimed to be the Messiah. The Samaritan woman New, John 4, 25 and 26 says, The woman saith to him, I know that Messiah is come with his cause Christ. When he has come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. So he is the Christ, the Messiah, God with us. He's the Lord. The word Lord, the name Lord means master. He to whom a person or things belong. You know, and, uh, and, and, and when we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, now we belong to Him. We sang that, morning, that song, I think, this morning. Now I belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to me. Not for the years of time alone, but for all eternity. He calls Himself in Matthew 9, 38, the Lord of the harvest, that He would send forth laborers into His harvest, Matthew 12, 8, he said, The Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath day. You know, the Pharisees often asked him, You know, tell us, if I be the Christ, tell us plainly. He said, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. I'm the Lord of the Sabbath day. First, Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, 15, which in his times he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Of course, Corinthians tells us, 1 Corinthians 6.20, You are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Our body is for the Lord. It's He that owns us. And when you ask, as Paul did, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? You see, this, this, this salvation is through the Lord Jesus Christ. To deny His Lordship is to deny His person as... as uh, uh, and this is what Judah's all about. They're, they're, these ungodly men, he says, 
denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ, turning the grace of God into lasciviousness, a thing of the, of the flesh, disregarding rules, playfulness. It's come frolicsome. You know, and that's what church has become. A frolic. A play center. An entertainment place. A place to be emotionally hyped and have a good time. Your church is to be a place of fellowship and encouragement, but it is a training center where you are to be edified. That means to be built up, to be instructed, to be provoked unto love and good works, uh, you know, to giving, to sacrificing of self. Church is a place to make me holy, not just to make me happy. Thirdly, this common salvation, it meets a common need. If you notice again, he says in verse 1, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ, and brother James to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called, mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. You know, it's through Christ that we receive mercy, that the mercy of God is extended to us, that we can be sanctified, and that we can be preserved in Jesus Christ. And I like that word, preserved, because it gives you the idea that it's God's doings, not ours. You know, Calvinism teaches, one of the things that Calvinism teaches in their acrostic of Calvinism, they call it TULIP, total depravity, uh, unlimited atonement, no, not, no, it's not Uh What's the second one? Huh? Under conditional election. So if you're, if you're one of the chosen, you know, you're going to get saved. There's nothing you can do about it. And you don't determine that anyway. It's, God has to give you, make you believe or, you know, give you belief. Uh, there's limited atonement. There's irresistible grace. So, again, if you're one of the elect, you can't resist God. Uh, and then there's the preservation, or not the preservation, the perseverance of the saints. I don't believe we persevere. I believe we're preserved. There's a difference between persevering and preservation. You know, if we are preserved, it's something that's done for us. It's for us. Perseverance is something that we do. No, we are, the Bible says, we are preserved in Jesus Christ and called. We've been sanctified by God. You know, and, and again, that, that you know, uh, teaches us that it's God that sets us apart, has the power and the ability, the authority, to set us apart from the penalty of sin. And so it meets a common need that every man, woman, boy, or girl has. You know, Ecclesiastes 7.20 says, There is not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. Now, I've known some pretty good people who weren't saved. And by my standards, my standards, we get clarification, my standards, they were pretty good people. But in the eyes of God, they were lost, wicked, and undone. And they still needed a Savior. 
Jesus speaking to Nicodemus, John 3, 7, Marvel not that I said unto thee, okay, I say to you, Nicodemus, thee, ye, all ye Pharisees, must be born again. Remember, the King James Bible, T is singular, Y is plural. So I'm saying to you, Nicodemus, all of you Pharisees need the new birth. You need a new birth. Romans 3, 10, as is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3, 22, even as the righteousness of, which is of God, which is by the faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all that believe, for there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You know, every man, the psalmist said, I think it's Psalm 40, every man in his best state is altogether vanity. Every man. And Romans 5.12 says, For for as by one man sin entered the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men. All men have the sentence of death upon them. Because that all have sinned. Now, you know, someone might say, well, if, it wouldn't, if I wouldn't have inherited the death sentence from my parents, then I wouldn't have, no, 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 all have sinned. All have sinned. There's none righteous. 1 Corinthians 15, 22, as in Adam, all die. If you're still in Adam, if you, if you haven't received the new birth through Christ, you're, you're going to die. You're going to spend eternity in hell. In Adam, all die. Even so in Christ shall we all be made alive. See, this, this uh, sal- common salvation meets a common need, this common faith. It's a need that every man has. Fourthly, it is the common theme throughout the Bible, Old and New Testament. You know, after sin entered into the world, God came seeking Adam, and God gave Adam and Eve a promise in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. We call this the gospel in seed form. In Genesis 3 and verse 15, he says, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman. He's talking to Satan and the woman. Between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, thou shalt bruise his heel. And so the idea here is the seed of the woman is going to bruise the head of the Satan. That speaks of a death blow. And when Jesus Christ died, and of course, uh, her seed is going to be wounded or receive a bruise in so doing. So at the cross, of course, Jesus, through death, uh, destroyed the power of Satan. His power, he had the power of death. Hebrews 2 tells us that. And he destroyed that power of Satan, which is death. And, and but to do that, he had to die. He had to be bruised. He had to die to give us life or sin. But again, and we see that God, of course, is seeking man. It's throughout the scriptures. John four twenty three. Jesus told the Samaritan woman, God seeketh such to worship him and and so you know god is seeking out he's looking for he's searching for he's he's going after uh every man woman boy and girl that they might hear the gospel and receive the truth and be saved with this common thing and we see examples of this throughout scripture you know after the sin in the garden god made coats of skin and covered them where do you get the coats 
He slew an animal, a substitute, to cover their sin. We see there the idea of a substitute. Abel brought a lamb as a sacrifice, a substitute for his sin. God, or Cain, brought the fruit of the ground, his own works, and God rejected it. Why? Because it wasn't a substitute. It was his own effort, his own work, the works of his own hands. And so we see this principle of a, of a sacrifice, a substitute for our sin. Um, and, and of course, you know, again, Genesis 5, or 6, 5 and 8, God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was evil continually. But Noah found grace, the unmerited merit of favor of God, he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And of course, Noah preached righteousness, the righteousness of God for 120 years. And all who believed were saved. All eight of them. His family. The only ones who believe. Israel was to be a witness to the nations. Isaiah 43, 10 and 12. Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me. You know, salvation is based upon knowledge. You have to know who Jesus is. You have to know about yourself being a sinner. And then believe in Him. Put your faith and trust in Him. Believe me and understand that I am He. That I am God. Before me there was no God formed. Uh, neither shall there be after me. Verse 12. I have declared and have said and I have showed when there was no strange God among you. Therefore ye are my witnesses, say the Lord, that I am God. You see, Israel was to be a witness to the nations around them that God was the Savior. I am God and there is none else. Look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God and, be, and there is none else. Isaiah 45, 22. You know, Jonah, Jonah was sent to the nation of Nineveh, or the city of Nineveh, to preach, to preach the gospel to the Ninevites. And they repented and believed in the Lord. Now, doesn't that sound like New Testament theology? It's because it is. It's the same thing. They repented of their sins and believed in the Lord. The tabernacle was a, a, a teaching tool, if you will, to teach men that the way to God was through a sacrifice, a substitute, a Passover lamb. And of course, John tells us in John one twenty nine, John the Baptist points to Jesus and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Israel, here is your substitute in human form. He's the, he's the, he's the fulfillment of that Passover, all those Passover lambs that died to cover your sin. And so... You know, this is the way of salvation. Of course, this, is, this common salvation was taught by John the Baptist. You know, in uh, uh, Matthew chapter 3, John the Baptist comes on the scene with a message from God. And, uh, and he says in John 3, in verse uh, 2, it says, And saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And, uh, and then drop down to verse, verse uh, 5. Then went out unto him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region around about Jordan, 
and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. But when, many, when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth therefore fruits, meat for repentance. And so he preached that you needed to repent and be baptized. Demonstrate your faith, your repentance. Show your repentance by being baptized, demonstrating that you believe on the Christ that is to come. And of course, this is what Jesus taught. Uh, Jesus came on the scene preaching uh, repent. Uh, uh, Matthew 4, verse 17 says, At that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And we see this same message preached throughout the Bible. Uh, you come to the apostles in the book of Acts. Acts 2.38, and, and uh, Peter, uh, his, his message on the day of Pentecost, he says to the Jews, Then Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. In Acts chapter 20 and verse 21, Paul declares that, that uh, of course, Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles. And uh, actually it's... Uh, um, yeah, Acts chapter twenty twenty one. He says, And I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks. You know, salvation is the same to the Jews as it is to the Greeks. Repentance toward God and faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, this gospel message or this common faith has not changed. You know, Paul would later tell us in Ephesians chapter 2 that our doctrine you know, was built upon the foundation of Christ, uh, but also upon the apostles and prophets. Uh, Ephesians 2, in verse uh, 20, he says, well, let's read verse 19. Thou therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So, so the, the, you know, he's, he's identifying here the apostles and prophets of the New Testament with the same teachings of Jesus Christ, him being the foundation or the chief cornerstone. But you know, there are many have mutilated, as we said a couple weeks ago, mutilated the faith. There's the marketing of the gospel. Uh, came across this this afternoon. I don't know where I got this, but anyway. Uh, according to George Barna, in a step-by-step guide to church marketing, marketing is a broad term that encompasses all the activities that lead up to an exchange. Now, this is important to understand. An exchange of equally valued goods between consenting parties. That's what marketing is. Okay? So if you're marketing something, you know, you, uh, you have a product that you want to sell or to exchange. Really, really, you know, when you sell something to somebody, what you're doing is exchanging goods. They may give you money. They may give you something else of equal value. But there's an exchange of goods. That's marketing. 
And in a step-by-step guide to church marketing, uh, he says there's an exchange of goods between consenting parties. Barner Father defines marketing by saying that activities such as advertising, public relations, strategic planning, audience research, product distributions, fundraising, product pricing, developing a vision statement, and customer service are all elements of marketing. He then says, when these elements are combined in a transaction in which parties involved exchange items of equal worth, the marketing act has been consummated. Let that idea of exchanging items of equivalent worth sink in for a moment. Now, how do you market then the gospel? Well, I thought about that a little bit, and this is what I come up with. So I'm going to trade going to hell for going to church. So, you know, yeah, I can just, I go to church. I can go to church and endeavor to live the Christ, the uh, I call it churchianity. And, you know, I can give some money to the church. And I can serve at the church. But you know what I get out of it? It's heaven. And a good life. You know, these marketers of the gospel, I mean, read, read Joel Steen's book, Best Life Ever. You just got to have positive thinking and use positive words because there's life in your words. That's what he says. There's life in your words. I, I didn't know that until till I read that today, that there was life in my words, you know. I know there's life in the Word of God, but I didn't know there was life in my words. Life to give me prosperity and life to give me positive things and life to give me the best parking place in the, in the, in the, in the, in the, uh, at Walmart, you know, and on and on and on. Life, all I got to do is think positive. That's what's been wrong in my life, I guess, all these years. I don't know what was wrong with Apostle Paul. Because it didn't seem like he always got the best of things. And I don't know what happened to Jesus either. Because it didn't seem like he got the best deal either. Well, see, this was what marketing of the gospel has done. There's an exchange. I get this, so I'll give that to get that. You know, Jesus said, if we're going to come unto him, we need to deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow him. We need to count the cost. There's a cost. See, if there's a, with an exchange of items of equal worth, there's not really a cost. There's not a cost. It's just an exchange of items. You know, when you buy a new vehicle, you're exchanging items. That's all you're doing. You get to drive a nicer car or a nicer truck, whatever it may be. But you've exchanged some items, and that's marketing. That's not the way salvation works. You know, salvation is commanded. It says, you know, it is through repentance 
we have to come to the conclusion that we are sinners in the sight of God and need a Savior. And that brings me to the fifth thing. It is received in a common way. You know, and, and, and consistently, there's, there's this new ideas coming up, new ways. You know, the latest thing coming out amongst independent Baptists is this teaching that in John 3, the water there is speaking of water baptism. Where the context clearly says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. But no, it is received in a common way. If you notice in verse 3, he says... Uh, let me get back there again. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it's needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. You see, the, the way of salvation was once delivered. It is unchanging, just like the Word of God is. It does not change. It does not change. You know, men may alter or try to alter it and market the gospel, but it becomes a false gospel. You know, and we have warnings of this throughout Scripture. And of course, this is, what, this is what Jude is warning about, is those who would pervert the gospel, uh, turning it into the, to, to, uh, uh, the lusts of the flesh, uh, disregarding rules... So they're disregarding the commands of Scripture to market. You have to disregard the commands of Scripture to, to market the gospel. You have to make it uh, desirable to men and women. And there's really nothing desirable about it from, the, from, a, from a human fleshly standpoint. I mean, think about it. You're going to give up your own life. That's what salvation is. It's surrender of your life. You've got to give up your own life. Give up your own ambitions. Surrender yourself to the Lord. You have a new boss. That's kind of, kind of, I don't know, I don't even really like that term, boss. But you have a new master. He's the Lord. And that's what repentance is. It's a surrender. It's a surrender or submission to God. Uh, repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, you know, the gospel has not changed. Somebody has said, and I don't know where I got this quotation, quote, I wish I was overstating things, but according to the experience of countless pastors and church leaders, we've got an entire generation that doesn't seem to know anything about repentance. Unquote. Again, all the writers of Scripture, all the preachers of the New Testament, every one of them preached repentance. Every one of them. And yet we got independent Baptists saying, well, it's not, the word repentance isn't used in the Gospel of John. And, and Paul didn't tell the Philippian jailer to repent. He didn't have to, he already had. By the way, believing is an action word also. It's not just a mental assent to. 
It means to trust, to depend. And that requires a repentance. Jesus said in Luke 13 twice, Except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Now he said that to those Jews that day, but he's saying that to us today too. It's true for everyone. Not just those Galileans. John told him, the Pharisees, to bring forth, therefore, fruits, meat for repentance. Repentance is a change of mind, which brings a change of action, a change of attitude, a willingness to obey the Lord. A change, as I said this morning, and this isn't good English, a change of your wanter. Somebody told D.L. Moody one time, he said, uh, I'd become a Christian, but I can't do all the things I want to do. And D.L. Moody said, well, I do all the things I want to do. It's just God changed my want to. See, for him to be Lord means he's your master. Yes, I remember uh, Gary Forney making a statement. You can't disciple someone who hasn't repented. And I thought about that and some people that I've worked with over the years. And that's telling. But people that have repented will accept the truth as it's revealed to them or taught them. And this salvation, this common salvation is for everyone. In Acts 17.30, Apostle Paul said, In the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. You see, it is a common salvation. It has not changed. It is the same for everyone. And we all get saved the same way. Circumstances may be different. Emotions may be different. But it's the same message. There may be different passages of Scripture used to bring you to repentance. Because there's, you know, everybody has different sins that, that they emphasize in their life that need to be addressed. Questions that need to be answered. So we come to a right understanding of who God is in our sin. But it is a common salvation. You know, God's method of salvation is not different from the Old Testament to the New. It's not different from first century Christianity to 21st century Christianity. It's the same. We just simply need to continue to preach and teach that same common salvation.